Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. You just aren't sure about this whole church thing. Maybe it's your first time being here at Hillside. Maybe your prayer today is, Lord, if you could just show me that you're real. And I believe that over the next uh, half hour or so, God is going to show you that he's real and that he wants to do something great inside your life today. Lord, we just give you praise, glory, and honor today. Lord, do what only you can do. In Jesus' mighty name, and God's people said, amen, amen. You can be seated. It's time for Kids Church. If you're ready to go with Miss Jackie today, she is ready for you guys. There she is in the back door. So back to working full-time at the school, but she is a wonderful children's pastor here on Sunday. I didn't remember what side. Where are your sneakers? Oh, it's okay if you didn't. There's grace for you. We're, 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 you, you can play along, too. We're going to do something a little bit different today. Look, the goal of today is we're, we're going to try to wrap up a lot of the things that we were talking about throughout the summer uh, and put shoes on it so that you can walk it out. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about a lot of the concepts that we talked about this summer, watch it fleshed out in Scripture, and then uh, how do we do this in, in life today. And so the first thing that we're going to do is uh, I want you to, we're going we're gonna to move a little bit, okay? You'll be able to go back with who you're sitting with, I promise. This isn't something we're going to do all service. But right now, I'd like you to go find somebody and sit next to somebody you did not come to church with, all right? So help me out here. You can do this. I believe in you. Like somebody is in full panic mode right now. They're like, I'm out of my comfort zone. But find, find one person that you did not come to church with. If you don't know who they are, introduce yourself. It's all good. We got our sneakers on. We're walking. You can ask them their name. Do not interrogate them. All right. Did we all find somebody? Hurry up, find somebody. Find your buddy. If you don't have a buddy, raise your hand. All right, we got one over here. We need one more. You have to join a group of three. You have to go faster. All right. So here we go. Uh, how many of you guys remember the last service we had inside before we went outdoors? Does anybody remember? People are like, no, are you kidding me? That's, that's a lot of weeks ago. All right, you might remember our cross back here. And remember we talked about the power of our testimony is the power of the cross. Our testimonies bring Jesus into sight. It shows the gospel story. Well, we want to add to the testimonies because God did a lot of great stuff this summer. So I'm about to give you 30 seconds to think, not to share. You can't say anything. But you're going to have 30 seconds and I want you to think about a story that happened to you this summer, all right? Something that you experienced or something that you saw that encouraged you. And I even want you, I'm going to try to even shrink it down for you. I want you to try, to, if you were here for service, if you're a guest here, this won't apply. But if you are here for service this summer, something that God did or you experienced or you saw that encouraged you, 
in our services, outdoor worship, somebody getting baptized, whatever it might be. All right, you got 30 seconds to think about it. Nobody's talking. 30 seconds now. We, we need Robbie's keyboard. Think about it. One more time through, Robbie. They need a little bit more time to think about a testimony. Great. Now we're going to have you share it. Why are we doing this, Pastor? I know somebody's already thinking that. Because, look, we need to be able to share our testimony. We need to be able to share our story. And listen, out there, you're not going to have one of these. So it's good for us to be able to practice and do it here. Uh, now, this is important, all right? We're going to spend, I'm going to give you guys a, a quick time here. We're going to do, uh, let me open up my timer. We've got a minute and 20 seconds that one of you gets to share. Then I'm going to stop it. And then the other gets to share. Now, remember this summer, we talked a little bit about this, the importance of listening to other people. So when the other person is talking, you're not thinking about what you want to say. You're listening to what they're saying. Okay? Are you ready? Yeah. Right. Thank good. Now, one of you share. Everybody's sharing. Everybody's sharing. Kai's ready for a microphone. Give me, let me preach. Let me preach. Calm down. Calm down. You're sharing with your buddy that you move next to. All right. We, everybody's going now. <laughs> okay, you got to stop. You got to stop. All right, get ready to switch. Ready? You're switching. Now we're switching roles. You got to stop talking. You got to put your listening ears on. The person that was listening, now you're going to share. You got a minute and 20 seconds. Ready, set, go. It's been really good. All right. Good news. Good news. At the end of service, you can continue these conversations. So we're going to give you a chance. If you'd like to go back and sit with the person that you came to church with, uh, you are welcome to do that. I want spouses to like the pastor. Well, you're fine in your place. Let me just talk to you a little bit about where we're going. Today's message is uh, titled, Lace Them Up. Lace Them Up. So we're not done working with our sneakers just yet. Um, for the month of September, we'll probably be mostly in the book of Acts, chapter 12, uh, and looking about spiritual development, a church that's growing, uh, not just numerically, but that's developing spiritually. And that's what we see in the New Testament church, and that's what God's calling us to be. Uh, it's not all about numbers, um, but it is a little bit about numbers because we want new people to come to Christ. Amen? Amen? Okay, that is not a strong enough response. All right, so you guys need to work on that. That's why we exist, just to remember that. We want people to come to Jesus. Oh, much better. Oh, we're going to be Pentecostal yet. It's going to happen. <laughs> So let's look at Acts chapter 12. Can we do that? Acts chapter 12. Let's jump in here. We're seeing the church. It's growing. They've said, look, the gospel is there for the ministry of Jesus. 
who are intermarried to Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles who have no connection to the Jews. The gospel message is open to everybody. And so the church is growing numerically and spiritually being developed. And that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Now, if I just stop there, that's, that's a pretty sad story. <laughs> uh, we see one of the disciples killed, we see the church being persecuted, and we see Peter in prison. But thank goodness for verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Verse 6, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. We'll get to that in a minute. I just think it's funny that Peter got struck by the angel. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that this was an this that he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought it may just be a vision or a dream. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Imagine waking up to a miracle and having an angel be your alarm clock. That's a pretty good story. That would be a pretty good testimony to share in our, in our 60 minute or, or 90 second um, or 60 second or 90 second testimony time. That you probably would win the contest for best testimony this morning. But that's exactly what happened to Peter when he was in prison for the third time, awaiting trial and probably certain death. Years later, when he would write his first, epi- uh, first epistle, Peter may have had this uh, miraculous experience in the forefront of his mind as he quoted Psalms 34, 15, and 16. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. That quotation certainly summarizes what God did for Peter, and it reveals to us three wonderful assurances to encourage us through difficult days in our life. So let's look at assurance number one. God sees our trials. In, verse, in chapter 12 of Acts, verses 1 through 4, we see that there is definitely a trial going on. And look back to 1 Peter 3.12. It says, "...the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous." There were two people groups who absolutely hated Jesus when Jesus lived on this planet. The Romans, who were in power, political power, controlled uh, what the Jews did, and they didn't like Jesus because the Romans were afraid that he would take their power, 
Who is this king of the Jews? They hated him because they feared losing their power. But the other people group that hated Jesus was the religious. The religious. Because they had control over the people. These were the customs. This is the way things were. This is how things got done. And really, the religious system at this point in time was not about bringing people closer to God. The religion was actually hindering people from finding God. And they hated Jesus because they were going to, they felt that he was going to take their control. And people who crave power and crave control will always miss out on the blessings and the freedom that Jesus brings. So do not crave to these things, my friend. Let God have the power and let him be in control. Your life will be far more rich because of it. We now see 10 plus years later, we're into the early church and the same two people groups hate the church that hated Jesus, the Romans and the religious. God watched and noted what Herod Agrippa was doing to his people. This evil man was the grandson of Herod the Great. And I want to say this, we must be very careful that we do not judge a person based on what family they came from. Did you hear that? Because I am not responsible for my grandfather's sin nor my father's sin. I am responsible for my sin. And this is the story Jesus is doing with my life. And it is different than what he did with my father and grandfather. And I am grateful that I have experienced the redemption of Jesus. And just because you come from a sinful family does not mean that your story has to end up the same way. Just because someone in your family has been stuck in some type of issue, in some type of controlled environment, does not mean your life will be controlled by those same things. Because Jesus comes to what? Set people free. He's come to set us free. So this evil man was the grandson of Herod the Great who ordered, uh, had John the... They were hated by the Jews to convince the Jewish people of his loyalty to the tradition of the religion of their forefathers. How messed up is all of this? Now that the Gentiles were openly a part of the church, Herod's plan was even more agreeable to the nationalistic Jews because in Jewish culture, Jews and Gentiles don't get together, they don't hang out, they don't connect, they don't talk with each other, and now the gospel message is bringing all these people together. All these different cultures, all these different races, all these different individuals that have so many differences, the gospel's bringing them all together in this beautiful mosaic, and the religious people don't like that. These people don't look like us, they don't talk like us, they don't act like us. And so they are waging a war against the church. And so are the political leaders because why? Because they're seeking more power. Wow. Herod had several believers arrested, among them James, the brother of John, whom he beheaded. And because of this, James became the first of the apostles to be martyred. And there might be a question that pops up in your mind now or later today as you think through what we're talking about why does Peter get delivered and why does James die? I'm going to tell you, it's not because the church wasn't praying for James, because I believe they were. 
They weren't playing who's your favorite disciple, right? Here's the honest truth. There's a lot of preachers that would get up here and spin some type of thing. I'm just going to tell you what I know. I don't know. It's above my pay grade. Just like why is it sometimes we pray for things and we see God do certain things and we pray for, for other people and God doesn't? I don't think it's because of sin. I don't think it's because of anything else. I think it's this. I think that God has a plan that's bigger than you or I. And God doesn't always say, I'm going to tell you every aspect of my plan. Because I'm just going to tell you, if he told us every aspect of his plan, we would get off the bus. And we would be freaked out. We would say, no way. I'm not going through this. Thanks anyway. I'll catch the train. I'm like, no way. God has a plan that's bigger. And he doesn't. God does not follow us. We follow God. And when we pray, there has to be a level of submission for us to go, Lord, not my will, but yours. Because sometimes God's plan is different than what we think it's going to be. And I know this, if you were to ask James, aren't you disappointed that Jesus didn't, didn't set you free? James would have said, are you kidding me? I am free. I'm at home. He's not wanting to come back. Life was good and sweet. God's plan is always better. We can't always see it, and sometimes God's plan is difficult. Let's look back at this uh, here with, with Herod and the Jews. If it pleased the Jews when James was killed, just think how delighted they would be if Peter were slain. God permitted Herod to arrest Peter, to put him under heavy guard in prison with 16 soldiers, Four for each watch. They kept guard over this apostle with two soldiers chained to this prisoner and two watching from the door. After all, the last time Peter was arrested, he mysteriously got out of jail, and Herod was not about to let that happen again. It's good to know, it's good to know that no matter how difficult the trials are or how disappointing the news, God is still on the throne and he has everything under his control. We not, may not always understand it. We may not understand his ways, but we know he is sovereign, and his will is the best. So how did Peter get into this little fiasco that he's in? Back in prison. Well, Peter wasn't the same man that he was 10 years earlier when he denied Christ three times. In one, he had learned the three things that we talked about this summer, that yes, we are to have control to a certain point, to hold on to things to a certain point. But when we hold them so tight that we can't swing structurally sound, that's a problem. We need to be loose enough in our grip that the Holy Spirit is able to help us swing through the issues in the proper way so that we can see God do what he wants to do. We also see that he practiced his stance how he approached situations was completely different than how he had in the past. Now we don't see a Peter who complains. We see a Peter who praises and has gratitude. And we see his position. We see that Peter would allow himself to be able to say, God is the one who's in control. God put me where I need to be when I need to be there. And as Peter was in this prison, I know he knew this. I didn't put myself here. God did. 
Can I tell you, there is a great confidence that comes from when we're obedient to the Lord and we find ourselves in a situation and we're like, oh man, when everything goes sideways in that situation, we can take great confidence if we can go, God's the one who put me here. But if we're the ones who put ourselves there, that confidence can't be there. There's days where it's tough being a pastor of a church, but I have great confidence that God's the one who put me here. I didn't put myself here. I didn't beat down the doors. I didn't push into this. I was obedient. So when tough times come, I can trust, Lord, you've put me exactly where I need to be. Peter had done all the right things, and yet now he is still sitting in this place. Peter wasn't sitting on the sidelines. He wasn't just sitting in a pew being entertained. He was active in preaching, living, growing, and serving. He was actively being obedient to the Lord, and yet he finds himself in jail. I want to tell you this morning that you can do all the right things and still end up in an uncomfortable place, which brings us to assurance too. God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. Back to 1 Peter 3.12, it says, And his ears are open unto their prayers. The phrase, but prayer, is the turning point in the story. Verse 5 of Acts chapter 12 says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. It's the pendulum point of what God can do when the church prays. We can face all these uncertainties, all this craziness, all these hardships, but if we are praying, God's will will come to pass and it moves the heart of God. We need a church that's earnestly praying. Preacher Thomas Watson, the preacher Thomas Watson said, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was the prayer of the church that fetched the angel. Come on, that's good. In verses 5 through 6, we see Peter, and he is sleeping. If you were changed to two Roman soldiers and facing the possibility of being executed the next day, I don't know if you would be able to get a good night's sleep. I'm not sure that I would be, but we see that Peter is so sound asleep, the angel had to strike him to wake him up. How is it possible that Peter could be sleeping? Is he just oblivious? Is he, is he, this, is he this dense? No, I don't think that's the case. I think Peter was at absolute peace. So how do you find that kind of peace in the midst of that turmoil? Well, he saw this same peace demonstrated for him. It's the same peace that was on display when Jesus was in the middle of a storm with his disciples in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. The disciples are all going bananas, going, we're going down with the ship. Where's Jesus? And Jesus is asleep in the middle of a storm. He's at peace. The fact that Peter had been prisoner twice before is not what gave him a calm heart. For, the, for that matter, the prison experience was very different from the right away. The other two opportunities, Peter's previous, previous arrests had taken place after great victories, but this one followed the death of James, his dear friend and colleague. It was a brand new situation altogether. So what gave Peter so much peace? To begin with, many believers were praying for him, and that gave him confidence. He knew that the church was praying for him, and that helped to bring him peace. Prayer is a way, has a way of reminding us of God's promises found in his word. 
Promises like these. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalms 4.8. Or how about Isaiah 41.10? So do not fear, or I, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Good promises. And what about this one found in Ephesians 6? And I realize that this was not around for Peter's imprisonment, but it is for us. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 and 14 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when that day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Wow. What a promise. But there's also something else in this passage. When you have done everything to stand, then stand firm. We have to be willing to do our part. You might say to yourself, I don't have a job, and I've been praying for God to do a job. Well, I just want to ask a question. Have you put in any applications? We've got to do our part. You can pray, Lord, I don't understand why my car broke down, but if you didn't put gas in the tank, I guarantee you that car will eventually not go where you want it to go. I've got issues with my spouse and we don't communicate. Well, let me ask you, are you listening and are you asking questions? We have to be willing to do our part. But when we have done all that we can do, just standing is enough. It's enough. And Peter had gotten to that place. There was nothing Peter could do to better his situation. He was where he was. The church was praying. He knew that God had placed him where he was. That was enough. So Peter laid hold of the promises and committed the entire situation to the Lord, and God gave him peace and rest. And he didn't know how or when or even if God would deliver him. But he did know this, God has a plan. And he's not sharing it with me right now. And that's okay. Assurance number three. In verses seven through 11 in Acts chapter 12, we see Peter's obedience. obedience. So assurance number three is this. It comes back to obedience. There's a word that seems to just keep coming up all summer long. Obedience. The angel brought light and liberty into the prison cell, but the guards had no idea that anything was going on. However, if Peter was going to be delivered, he had to obey the angel's commands. He probably thought it was a dream or a vision, but he arose and followed the angel out of the prison into the street. Only then did he come to his senses and realize that he had been part of another miracle. The angel's command to Peter, grab your garments and put on your sandals. And sandals were the biblical version of sneakers. What the angel is basically saying is lace them up. We got places to go and things to do that you don't know about. They're not the plans that you got, but they're the plans that God has. So lace them up, baby. It's time to hit the road. We can't stay here in the prison. Grabbing your clothes and lacing up your sneakers are certainly joins the miraculous. And can I tell you something? God's spectrum of the other too far. We become unbalanced and unhealthy. God does the miraculous, but he calls us to do our part. Look, this isn't just for this passage of Scripture. It's a biblical principle. Jesus multiplied loaves and fishes, 
but then commanded his disciples to gather up the leftovers. He raised Jairus' daughter from the dead and then told his parents, give her, or her parents, give her something to eat. Even in the miraculous, God is always practical. God alone can do extraordinary things, but his people must do the ordinary. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but the men had to roll the stone away from the tomb. It's a partnership of us doing the ordinary and God doing the extraordinary. The same angel that removed the chains from Peter's hands could have put his shoes on Peter's feet. He could have laced up his Nikes or Adidas or Asics or whatever, but he told Peter to do it. God never wastes a miracle. Peter had to stoop before he could walk out of the prison free. It's a good lesson in humility and obedience. In fact, from that night on, every time that Peter would put on his shoes, it must have reminded him of the prison miracle and encouraged him to trust the Lord and to always be obedient. We need God to do the extraordinary in our life. But church, God calls us to be willing to do the ordinary. In Luke chapter 5, we see a miracle. Jesus told the fishermen, cast out your nets. After catching no fish all night long, these men were exhausted. They were ready to call it quits. They had nothing to show for all of their effort. Yet Jesus said, cast out your nets. And they were obedient. And in their obedience, they not only caught fish, they caught the miracle God had for their lives, and their lives were forever changed because these men would go on to become the disciples. God does the extraordinary, but God asks us to do the ordinary. If you can, and I know not everybody can do this, and it's okay if you can't, but if you can reach over and tie your shoes... Lord, with this simple act of humility, Lord, we say to you that, God, we will serve, we will obey, and that, Lord, we will do our best to do the ordinary, believing you can do the extraordinary. God can do it. If I were to ask you the question this morning, how many people here want to see people come to Jesus? How many of you want to see salvations? It's fun watching people's lives change. How many of you want to see our church grow, just not numerically, but spiritually see people develop in Christ? Then I have to ask you this question. What are you willing to do to see it happen? Are you willing to do the ordinary so that Jesus can do the extraordinary? I think the first thing, the first lesson we can take away is we see that prayer matters. We're on an initiative. It's going to continue. We've asked the church, and if, and if you can find this, Anthony, uh, in the announcements, the, the prayer with pastor, um, every week we're asking you to give 30 minutes to pray for our church, for our staff, and for our community. You might go, that doesn't seem like much. 
I'm telling you, pray. It matters. Okay? From noon. And look, and we realize not everybody can be here. But we take Friday from noon to 12.30 and we pray. And I'm not asking you necessarily even to be here. If you want to come, you're welcome to come here and pray with us. But would you take 30 minutes in your week to pray? Would you take a lunch break and say, I'm dedicating today, this week, this time to pray to the Lord, and I'm just going to pray for those three things, our church, our church staff and its leaders, and for, for Ripon and the surrounding communities. God will use your prayers to do extraordinary things. Make prayer a priority. And then I'm going to give you one other task. September 16th is September Fest, and you go, Pastor, but it's just serving, and it's just serving kids. You're right, it's just throwing nets. It's just doing the ordinary so God can do the extraordinary. It's putting ourselves in the right place at the right time. I'm not gonna get up on that Saturday and preach a message unless the Lord really tells me like with a burning bush to do that. I will be obedient. But I'm gonna rub shoulders with the people in our community. I wanna rub shoulders with families. I wanna know that they care and every person that comes to our tent gets an invitation to come and check out church, to let their kids come check out our children's ministry. What if just one person's life gets touched or changed? What if one person comes to know Jesus because we were just willing to throw out nets, to rub shoulders, and to serve our community? I hope that you'll come and serve with me. I want to pray for you, but before we do that, we're going to close our service today. I'm going to ask Robbie to come join me on the platform. What's this look like in real life? Because I think sometimes there's a disconnect between the word of God and, and how we apply it in our real life. This passage of scripture actually got lived out this week. And then we're in the middle of that process right now. And so we wanted to share that story with you. Um, so Robbie, last year you were out for a run. Because how many miles do you normally run, Robbie? Three? Three? And so, 5K. so he, he's out and he's running, and, uh, and then something happened on your run last year. Can you just share with us what that was? Uh, yeah, my legs started to feel heavy, um, and I just felt really weird. And then I felt like I was going to pass out. Well, I thought, I'm just going to push through this. I've been running for a long time. Uh, but like 15 seconds later, I passed out. Um, ended up on the ground. I didn't know that I had passed out until I saw myself I was laying on my back and I woke up. I actually thought I was in bed, <laughs> but I opened my eyes and I realized this isn't bed. <laughs> There's the sky. <laughs> What's going on? And then I remembered, oh, yeah, I passed out. Um, but then it happened two more times and I don't remember. On the I, way I, home. On, on the, the way home. Because yeah, I was trying to get home to walk home, but then I passed out again. Only reason I know I passed out because I woke up again um, and realized, okay, I'm a little bit further. <laughs> and then the last time, um, it was actually right on Highway 26, right close to our house, and somebody saw me. And then they stopped and said, hey, can I give you a ride home? Um, do you need help? So then they brought me home. So. It was quite an adventure. <laughs> and so last year, you kind of went through the whole hospital thing. They didn't find yes. a whole lot. They were uh, checking my heart out, checking everything out. And everything looked good at that point. Well, they said it was vasovagal syncope, which is they thought it was a reaction with medication um, because I had kidney stones as well. 
So they said it's like when you pass out when you see a needle or you see blood. Um, your blood pressure drops and then you pass out. That's what they thought it was. But you just went in for a checkup this week uh, to kind of just uh, check on this to make sure things were going good with your heart. And what yes. did they find out this week, Robbie? Um, this Monday I had a ultrasound where they were checking out my heart just to eliminate things. So, and I, th I think I knew this from before, but the doctors just wanted to make sure everything was okay. And what they discovered was um, that I have a fused um, valve that goes from my aorta to my heart. So normal people, <laughs> uh, most people have three valves. Um, but there's a certain percentage of the population, and more than likely I was born with this, that only two valves open up because two are fused together. And that is what is causing the aortic stenosis, which basically is the blood flow from the heart, or from the aorta to the heart is blocked a little bit because of the two valves that are fused together. So, so. Robbie calls me and says, look, this is where, where things are at. What are we going to do? And I'm like, we're going to pray, <laughs> right? Yeah. We're going to pray. And, and we just started talking through the game plan. And Robbie said, okay, well, we don't have all the information yet. So this is what they suggested. And you want to tell them what the yeah. next two, two steps are? Well, yesterday I had a test um, in Kakana. They did a CAT scan because they wanted to get all the information they could because on September 14th, um, I am actually going to see um, the best heart surgeon in Wisconsin, um, probably in the nation as I was researching it. Um, but the cardiologist that I met with on Tuesday basically said, um, you're looking at open heart surgery, um, probably in the next couple months or less. Um, so, that is what the meeting on the 14th of September is going to be, um, just to determine if that's the direction that they're going to be taking. Um, there's a couple options. You've got the, the pigskin <laughs> valve. Basically, they're going to go in and replace that fuse, um, what that is. We've got an opportunity for a miracle here. <laughs> um, wouldn't it be something if God somehow unfused those two, um, are, are those that two valves? But then I said, you know, even if God doesn't, you know, we're going to walk through this one step at a time. I don't know what that means really yet. Um, but I'm here to do whatever God wants. And so I love loved Robbie's heart to say, look, believe it, I believe that this is an opportunity for a miracle. And my, I just felt my spirit. I agree with that. Um, and we talked about the miracle may not be what we think it is. Right. The miracle may not be healing the heart but it might be healing something else, using this to bring about something else that we can't see. Um, and so when I, I just look at the similarities between what Robbie's going through this week and the passage. This is how you do it. Uh, you get all the information that you can. You do all you can to stand. When you've done all you can do to stand, you stand. Mm -hmm. And we, we wait for God to do the rest. And so what we can do now is we can pray, believing that God's going to do a miracle, whether that's healing this heart or doing something else that we're not aware of. There's a miracle here to be done. And so we're going to ask you to join us today. I'm going to ask Robbie to come down here in front of the platform. And we're going to ask if you're here this morning and you need a miracle. Um, you've got something going on in your life, whether it's big or small. 
and you would just like God to intervene in your situation, would you come and just join Robbie up here? Because we're going to pray for you too. Uh, don't, be, don't be shy. We're not going to do anything weird. We're not going to stick our fingers in your ears or anything like that. We are simply just going to ask the Lord to move on your behalf. If you'd like to come for prayer, would you just come right now? Don't hesitate. Don't wait. I know some of you, some of you think like you're not worthy of a miracle. And I just want to tell you, you got to stop believing that. All right? You are worthy of a miracle. God loves you. You are one of a kind piece of artwork that God has made. Um, come to this altar and get your miracle today. Believe that God's, God's, you're worth God's love. You are his creation, and he wants to do great things in you. So just want to wait just another 10 seconds. If you need a miracle in your life, you need God to intervene, come to the altar. Thank you for being obedient. Thank you for being obedient. Great. Now listen, the Bible didn't say that the pastor prayed. The Bible said that the church was praying for Peter. So church, stand to your feet. You got your sneakers on this morning. I want you to come behind those that are here in this circle. Every person needs at least one person with a hand on their shoulder. Now listen to me. Prayers aren't magic spells that we speak. It's not about saying the right thing to get God to do something. It's about being vulnerable with God and sharing our heart. You might go, I don't even know the words to say. Just let, let something just begin to, to fill you. That's the Holy Spirit. Just fill you and let, let it just pour out of you, whatever it might be. Allow the Spirit to pray through you as you pray for those here at this altar. God is going to do great things. Just begin to pray. Just begin to ask God to move on their behalf. You may not even know their name, and that's okay. Just pray that God would do what God wants to do. Jesus, we call upon you. Lord, we believe in you. We have seen the mighty works, and we have shared your testimonies this morning. But God, what you have started, you will see to completion. And Lord, we pray for these who have come to the altar, that God, their story is not done. Lord, I believe that these people are in divine appointments, that, God, they are where they are at, just like Peter was where he needed to be for this moment. They might find themselves in a prison, maybe not of stone and brick, but one of emotion, one of, of, of parties. But miracles are on the horizon. We pray for them that, God, you would provide, you would move, you would comfort, you would heal. That, God, you would do what only you can do. But, Lord, that we would be willing to do our part. We would do the natural and believe you for the supernatural. Lord, we pray for Robbie, Lord, specifically this morning. That, God, he has done what he can do. He's reached out to the doctors. He's listening to the advice. He's had all the testing. And now, Lord, he'll meet with this specialist. And I pray for wisdom over him to make decisions. I pray for wisdom for this doctor in making decisions. And that, Lord, your will would be done. Amen. And that, Lord, we may have to put Robbie on the bench for worship for a few weeks. 
But Lord, we believe that you're not done moving in him, that his calling is still valid, and that, Lord, you have great things, and that, Lord, there are miracles, whether it's you healing this heart, whether it's using the doctor to do it, or, Lord, something that we can't even see. Maybe through this whole process, there might be a relationship restored that was lost, but you would use this to do a miracle. Lord, we pray for so many others that have come to this altar this morning that, God, you would meet your people right where they're at. But, Lord, they would be encouraged. They would continue to be obedient. They would continue to serve you to the best of their ability. They would do the natural, and you would do the supernatural. They would do the ordinary. You would do the extraordinary. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Church, the Holy Spirit does not just run through your pastor. He runs through you. Don't be afraid in the moment where the Holy Spirit calls on you and says, you're the person for the hour. You're the person for this moment. When you're at a grocery store, a gas station, in your family, in your neighborhood, at your school, at your workplace, don't be afraid when God says, I need you in this moment to come serve me. Come encourage someone. Come love on somebody. God will give you the words to say, amen. Amen. Look, let's pray over our offering, and let's go out of here worshiping the Lord. Robbie, would you lead us in that song that you did right at the end of, right at the end of worship? Worship team, you can come back up as well. Let's pray one more time for the offering this morning. Lord, we thank you that we've been here at church, and I believe we've had church today, that, God, your spirit is here, and that, God, you're moving amongst your people, and that, God, you have provided for us in great and mighty ways. That, Lord, you would put us where we need to be this week when we need to be there. For some of us, Lord... It might be a season of rest. We might be put on the bench for a little while. For others, it might be stepping up to the plate for an opportunity that would present itself. That, Lord, you'll ask us to do the ordinary so that you can do the extraordinary. And, Lord, today we can give. We can give. That's out of the ordinary. We can be obedient to you. We can give of our tithes and offerings and missions. Lord, would you take what comes in and would you do more with it than we ever thought possible? Help us to continue to be a church that, Lord, reaches the lost and preaches the word. God, you're not done moving in this body, and you have great things in store for us. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Before we go into this song, just to let you know, I will be gone all week long. Uh, I leave tomorrow and won't be back until the weekend. I, will be pre- I won't be preaching next week, mission team, but I will be here. I'll be gone for a pastor's retreat this next week. Uh, so please keep me in your prayers as well as I get to spend some time with the Lord uh, alone, do some writing, some calendar planning, uh, and just have this time to be able to be refreshed. I appreciate that. Well, are you ready to leave this place worshiping today? I think I'm going to join you guys on the, on the congas here. And so let's go out worshiping the Lord. Church, you're dismissed. Give to the Lord this morning.
Amen.